Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket every day. I'm Daniel Norcross. I'm currently in Australia for BBC's Test Match Special and uh, you can also hear me if you <laughs> can be bothered on the Zero Ducks Given podcast. Uh, England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for England Cricket content and we will be dropping into your podcast feed and on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review and subscribe and as ever I am joined oh, no. by the prematurely aged Yoda himself, the puff pastry hangman. It is Rory Dollard. Thank you for joining Cricket's Conversation. Rory, how are you? Oh, you've devastated me. Really? Come on. You've de- you will have, I'm crushed, frankly. I'm, Yoda? I am a member of the, I'm a member of the great community, but I am full of youthful vibrance. Yeah, you are. That, there's absolutely no doubt. But so was Yoda. I mean, let's face it, he had his finger on the pulse of well, young yeah. people's opinion. That's why he was such a great mentor to Well, if, if, the... if I could last as long as him, I'd be happy. I think, I think I'm, I'm glad to say, I think we would all be happy if that were the case. Now today, <laughs> uh, because I'm out in Australia, not just that, but because this is all about England cricket, we are going to look back on the first T20 warm-up game. Is it a warm-up? Is it part of a genuine series? How much of it? Is a series of three, three games that England are playing against Australia. And we're going to pick over the bones of that because there's quite a lot in there. There was the extraordinary obstructing the field. There was Alex Hales and Joss Butler. Butler returning at the top of the order. There was a makeup of England's bowling attack. There's Sam Curran. We're going to pick over the bones of all that. And then in the last section, we're going to have a look at the news of the central contracts that have come through. Some intriguing ones. They don't all of them necessarily make obvious sense. But let's begin, Rory with that match that took place in Perth on Monday. And um, I think, would it be fair to say that England put out the side that they would play in the World Cup if they were playing in a knockout game, if Liam Livingston wasn't fit? Good question. I'm trying to see how closely it tallies up to the team I predicted in our last chat. It's very close, actually. (laughs) I think pretty strong, actually. Yeah, Curran is the... I didn't have Curran in. Uh, and I, so I suppose if Livingston was fit, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think what it tells us really is, you know, time is at hand now. There's, they did a lot of rotating and resting in Pakistan. This is the point where they need to show their hand. And they did that at the top of the order, which meant Hales nudged out Phil Salt, who ended very strong in Lahore. Uh, Brooke gets the place that we all tipped him to get. Bowling. Chris Walks, you know, did he get the nod over Chris Jordan or did Chris Jordan with his finger maybe not quite 100% fit? I think that's another, that is another spot that that might sort of rotate back and forward a little bit while they make their final decision. But the guts of the team, yeah, that's what we're going to see going for gold, isn't it? That, that's what they've, that's what they've put the house on. Uh, and and with mm. with those two outliers, I suppose, Livingston and Jordan, who maybe aren't 
exactly 100% just for that first game. I know. It's uh, an intriguing one, isn't it? Hales or Salt? Hales, I thought, probably did slightly less than Salt over the course of the Pakistan tour. I mean, there wasn't a lot between them, but the way that Salt played was exactly the way the management wanted him to, which was to go hell for leather. And of course, sometimes you get out for cheap scores. He got eight off three once, which is... As I think I've mentioned before, almost the perfect score. About, in a about way. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. Well done, well done, son. Um, uh, but they've gone with Hales, and I guess really it's because if you think back to when Hales was brought back in the side, he was brought back in the side to do this job. They wanted somebody experienced who knows Australian conditions, and playing at that Perth Stadium, big stadium, big square boundaries, short straight boundaries. Um, they wanted somebody with that experience and. He and Butler were just sensational at the top of the order. The match started with Cameron Green bowling, and we'll come on to Australia very briefly in a moment, but Cameron Green opened and Butler hit four of his first five balls for four, and it was like like he'd never been away. Uh, And, you know, you could sort of see the class emanate from the, the skipper there, couldn't you? Yeah, and I think if Matthew Mott... If he'd have had, if he'd have found someone else's genie in a lamp, and there was only one wish left in it, you know, I think his wish would have been, "Can I please, please, please have Joss Butler in Nick?" Because for him to come back in and and be scratching around and looking for a bit of form, cool, that really would have sort of upset the apple cart. So to see Joss Butler walk in and be absolute apex, Josh, that was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, really, really good. And and England will just be really settled. And, and calm about the fact that knowing that they've got Hales as a flyer and a, I don't know, a wild card to some extent at the top, but Butler feels much more like a a really stable operator up there. It was also intriguing to me that after that terrific opening partnership, 130-odd in 11 and a bit overs, uh, we didn't see Dawood Milan. Wickets, or we did eventually, because wickets kept falling, but... Yeah. They went with everybody except Dawood Milan, which makes you think, or it makes me think, actually, that Dawood Milan is nailed on for, for that number three spot because yeah. he's going to be, you know, it's, they're very happy for him to float. And that means that he's there in the event of that aggressive approach. You lose a wicket in the first couple of overs, in comes Dawood Milan. But um, they don't have any problem with him batting down. Was he at seven in the end? I mean, Sam Curran went in ahead of him. So that that's obviously the plan, isn't it? it? To, to, to be honest, all of that, the way they used Milan and the way they shuffled him down the pack, it made perfect sense to me that. It was, that showed me clarity of thinking. That wasn't, they weren't getting railroaded into what will it look like? What are the optics? They were using their resources to what they perceived to be the best of their ability. Now, actually it didn't, it didn't particularly work because the hitters that they sent up, it didn't quite come off and they didn't get to 230, 240 that they were probably shaping up for. But in terms of a sort of a vision and an understanding of what their resources allow them to do, I thought it made perfect sense. And like you said, I wouldn't look at Milan's output in Pakistan and be worried. I wouldn't look at them shuffling him down the order to seven and be worried. I think they're really, really clear about what he does in this team. And I think he's their insurance policy. He's the reason why Joe Root doesn't play T20 cricket for England. And I think, I don't know, I think he'll have a good tournament, actually. I think he's ready to go. It, 
I think I could go with absolutely all of that. And it's starting to make sense. I mean, it's quite weird after seven games in Pakistan when there was a bit of shuffling around and Ben Duckett was such an important part of that side. David mm. Willey played, did he play six or, or seven? I think it was six of the, the games out in Pakistan. Um, and he's there uh, traveling with the side. So he's, he's definitely you know, available in the event of an injury or if they want to do any rotation. But there seemed to be a clarity in that team. And when we tried to pick the team, uh, we picked it on the assumption that Livingston would be fit. Now, uh, clearly he's not, or, or not yet ready, or not match fit, or, or whatever it, they want to describe it as. And so the man to come in then was Sam Curran, it seems to me. It seems that that was where they were going with that. And they entrusted Sam Curran with with death overs. So I don't know if that's one area that is not quite clear. Is it Livingston? Is it Curran? Because they're certainly not like for like. I think with Livingston, it, it, it's it's created a bit of a vacuum that they, they hadn't predicted. I think Livingston was locked in, really safe in that team, had you know his bowling at the last World Cup was quite useful. Dangerous batter in a team where they rely on having a bit of danger at the back. And then this injury has invited questions that they weren't necessarily expecting to ask themselves. So now Sam Curran has come in, played a little run of games, showed his usefulness again, how he can get into a game, affect a game in different ways. I still, still not convinced Australia is perfect for him, uh, albeit he bowled very nicely. But they're going to have to they're going to have to make an instinct call on Livingston, aren't they? Because I don't think he's slipped back in terms of fitness. I think he's where they thought he was. They were they were flagging up in Pakistan that he wouldn't be ready for the start of this series. It's more like first, you know, maybe he'll play the last game. You know, I don't know, or maybe they'll just try and work him to fitness for the first game of the World Cup. But it's going to have to be an instinct call. They're going to say ultimately, do we back this guy to come in and like Joss Butler did? be the best version of himself right away because if he is, I think they go for him because I think the bowling is just interesting and just pick and mix enough that a captain loves to have that little option maybe. And I do wonder whether Sam Curran is putting pressure on Moin Ali because Moin Ali captained the team for seven matches in Pakistan, fronted up, was the statesman of the team, the figurehead. But actually he doesn't bowl very much at all. He bowled seven overs in Pakistan. Uh, he doesn't like bowling in certain situations, almost like, give or take, refuses to bowl in a way that I think Livingston feels he has more options against a right-hander or something because he can take the ball both ways. So I wonder if if Curran keeps pushing and keeps pushing over these next few days before the World Cup starts, maybe it's Moyne who comes under pressure because they might think Livingston can provide a similar strike rate but might be willing to bowl more. Well, do you know what? We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to pick up on that and move further into England's bowling options and the sensational obstructing the field that did not happen. But we'll have a short break and afterwards we'll get on to those very issues. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 
99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Welcome back. Uh, just picking up very briefly on Sam Curran, I think what I would say is that out here in Australia, it's a little bit like when Moeen Ali's not picked at Cardiff. You've got these very short straight boundaries. And so uh, you need bowling options that are going to test the middle of the pitch and force batters to hit square. And I was at the game, commentating the game, and it was very clear early on when Cameron Green was looking for swing up top. If it's full and it goes on those true Australian pitches, you're in trouble, especially with the short straight boundaries at Perth. When you've got the wide boundaries, the, the leg side square boundaries, then Sam Curran is absolutely ideal for you because he bowls essentially two very good balls. One is the spearing, I say leg stump Yorker, it's the pads Yorker, which he, he actually missed on a couple of occasions and yet he still had a perfectly excellent economy rate because when he does miss it, he follows up with one that, that he doesn't miss and another one that doesn't miss and then the bounces into the pitch that are of slightly different pace. But it reminds me a little bit of when Ryan Sidebottom did this for England back in 2010 when England won the World T20 and no one had ever really seen the slower bouncer used as, as such an effective tool. Yeah. And Bresden as well. And Bres- exactly, in Bresden as well. And it became a bit of a thing. But with the left arm option, I wonder if it'll be a bit pitch dependent. I wonder if they'll go, this is the mowing pitch, this is the Sam Curran pitch. And it'll depend on ground dimensions and it'll depend on whether there's a little bit in the pitch or not. I mean, Moeen ended up bowling and over, but only once there were two left-handers at the crease, Warner and Wade which is, you know, a, a natural matchup with him taking the ball away from the left-hander. But you're right, as a general rule, he isn't really bowling a great deal. The man who did bowl a great deal was Mark Wood. And as is the nature of the cricket fan, there was about five or ten minutes when the England cricket fan was going, oh, hang on, pace on in Australia. He's going <laughs> to go to the park. He's going to travel. Right, because Warner went after him. And and actually, Warner actually got a little bit fortunate with one of those cuts. He was a bit late on it because Wood was bowling serious gas. He smoked another one, but you're up against David Warner, one of the best you know, white ball batters in the world. Then when England needed wickets and Australia were up with the rate, and they stayed up with the rate, they were roughly 10s pretty much throughout the innings, needed wickets, came in, had that burst, and he was too quick for new batters. Um, yeah, injudicious yeah, shot by Warner. Yeah, that's the thing, and, it, and it's gauging that you know if if a wicket's fallen, bang him in there, and you could see Butler waiting for the moment to pounce the strike. Now he got to a point when he sort of had to use him because they needed the wicket, but he got them and and he, and he picked up three more. His strike rate is extraordinary this winter, so he is nailed on certain. I mean, if if he's fit, he will play. Of that, there is absolutely no doubt. It also does make me wonder about Jordan because he is the other player in that squad who can bowl serious gas. And Jordan Wokes, Jordan or Wokes, Wokes proved and gave an invaluable contribution coming at the back end with the bat, 13 or 5. So I don't know, that is a conundrum. I'm going to go back to Jordan. You know, when I, when I read my back of a cereal packet team last time out, I think I flipped, I pivoted back to Wokes because he just played and he just got three wickets. I'm going to go back oh, yeah. to Jordan, I think. And I think it's because, I think it's because he actually has been around this. Like, you know, we forget because he came back for the last World Cup. Wokes spent years 
out of the T20 setup. Just didn't do it. Didn't play T20 cricket for England. Jordan has exclusively played T20 cricket for England in that period. And certainly under Morgan, he was the de facto leader of the attack. He was the guy who shared the bowling plans, the ideas, the tactics. When Morgan retired, he was one of two players Morgan nominated as a possible captain. Actually, Moyne as well. He said he said Butler, Moyne, CJ were the options. I think maybe we can overlook how important he has been in that whole setup. And Butler might might feel that what Jordan brings at the back end, given where England's strengths and weaknesses lie, is harder to cover up for than what Walks can provide at the top. Well, it'd be fascinating to see. I mean, he was out there on the field um, a couple of times, I think, when players had gone off a comfort break or whatever. So they're happy to put him out on the park. And, and, and also, also talking about big boundaries in Australia, if the ball's yeah. going to be up in the air a lot and you're hoping for someone to gather one in on the ropes, is there anybody in the world you'd want underneath it other than Chris Jordan? No, I mean, yeah, he's, he is absolutely the master of that. And I'll take that point completely. I wouldn't be surprised that we've got two more matches in the series still to come at the Manuka, the Manuka rival in Canberra, which I'm experiencing for the first time, incidentally, Rory. I'm sure you've been here frequently, but... Monica, I reckon Monica? they like to say it over Monica. there. Monica. A Monica yeah, rival. Yeah, come on, you've got to get your local dialect I'll going. do my best. It is... Canberra is one of the most staggeringly empty places I've been in in my life. I was wandering around in rush hour and about five cars <laughs> going down this huge well, main street. Uh, the first time, the first time I first time I went to Canberra, uh, story time here on ninety nine point nine four. First time I went to Canberra, it was because uh, basically a lot of politicians, a lot of students, and if the government's out of session and the students aren't in town, there's not a lot left. So I checked in to the hotel and I said it was quite late off a off a flight and I said, "Are there any?" Um, any restaurants open? And the woman went, oh, go to Macca's. I was like, oh, where's this, where's this, uh, where's this restaurant? She went, no, Macca's, McDonald's. I was like, oh, that's, that's right. Okay. That's the restaurant options, is it? Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> um, and there is, but there is a nice record shop. I got went to a record <laughs> shop and I, buying records on tour is not very clever when you're traveling thousands and thousands of miles in economy, but I like to support the local vendors. So I just bought myself a little Primal Scream uh, 12 inch and I got abused by the by the order for not buying more and I thought not buy more see you next time <laughs> good god <laughs> yeah not buying more he's like you're only buying one like, you're only buying one what are you doing Rory you were an individual <laughs> human being in Canberra he should have been laying out a red carpet for you he should have been throwing in three <laughs> or four for free Never. there's nobody here it's absolutely the craziest ghost town there's ever been now before we leave that game we have to talk about that dismissal that was not I will confess that I was uh, I was grabbing a sneaky cigarette uh, in the same place that Shane Warne showed me where to smoke m- many years ago. I'm not going to divulge it, <laughs> but um, I got to witness it in real time from quite a distance, and I was just baffled. I've never seen a clearer case of obstructing the field, probably in my life. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen this, Mark Woods bowled the ball way too quick for Matthew Wade, who has flailed at it. It's so late on the shot, and the ball has ballooned gently right above his head. It's gone no further than above his head, but a fair way up in the air, not far. And Butler and Wood are converging on it, each of them about 15 yards away. We're going to make the easiest of catches. 
that Matthew Wade makes sure that he is between the two people and underneath the ball at all times. To the point that as Wood gets closer, he thrusts out a hand. Old Dusty was the way Mel Farrell, the Aussie writer, described it. He's apparently a, a, a famous Aussie rules footballer who was good at the handoff. And then there followed what was a conversation from distance, which I couldn't pick up at the time because I didn't have the stump. I wasn't listening to it. Um, what happened? Was it just that Joss Butler said, well, I don't want to appeal? Because uh, the umpires, I think the I think umpires were ready almost to give it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I know what happened, right? Joss Butler talked himself into a bit of a, a, bit of a quandary post-match when he spoke about this. He said a bunch of things. He said, we've already just arrived in Australia, who, you know, didn't want to be, didn't want to risk one of those. And it came just after what, like a week after he'd said he would never, he would never accept a, a mancad dismissal mm-hmm. and he would call the person back. So he got himself in a bit of a tith, tizzy with that. But actually the very, very first thing he said when asked about that dismissal was, I had my eyes on the ball and I didn't really see it. And I reckon that's the reason why he didn't appeal. Everything that followed, oh, we didn't want to upset the crowd, all that stuff. I don't think it mattered a bit. I think he didn't really see it. So he didn't know whether to appeal or not. And I think it's as simple as that. Right. Because when you look at it, the idea that in an England-Australia match, and this is a guy who's played Nash's series and been absolutely bloodied and bruised and battered by them not nine months ago and copping absolute bucket loads from the crowd, the idea that he's not going to want to upset the apple cart with the nice Aussie fans by appealing for an obstruction of the field. I don't buy it for a second. I think he didn't get a clear look at it because he was focused purely on the ball and he didn't know what to do. So I think the umpires probably should have taken that out of his hand. And it is interesting. I think England will have a word with him probably because they have got three, we've discussed it before, they've got three Aussies in their coaching team. And Mike Hussey told uh, the local press, Dan Brettig, uh, yeah, I probably would have appealed, I reckon. Um, against his own team, that is. And I think they'll be saying, well done, good on you, but let's get every single wicket in the yeah. next few weeks that we can. And there'll be no calling people back or shaking hands just to be nice and getting the game on. I think England will be good. If that happens again, I reckon England go for it. Well, I would I would like to think so. And I'm slightly surprised that Mark Wood didn't be a bit more vociferous because he was handed off. I mean, he was, he was trying to get to the ball yeah. and, and Wade is looking. Well, he probably, to, to be honest, he... Pre- the only thing I'd say about that is that there's every chance that having happened, Mark Wood just wanted another ball at Matthew Weird because that's his best way to get some revenge, isn't it? Well, yeah. And by the way, Matthew Weird. I was speaking to someone this week who's played with him and said he's there's he's never ever come across any cricketer in in the world who gets white line fever and is such a different fella between the ropes as Matthew Weird. So <laughs> no surprise to see him in the middle of it. No, no surprise. And my surprise was that they didn't take that opportunity to do him because, you know, people who get yeah. white line fever, and Jimmy Anderson is one of those as well. Um, opponents tend to like to take down, you know, for, for very obvious reasons. It was it was very baffling. It was very strange to watch. I'd like to think that it won't happen again. Um, I don't think... I don't think it shows terrible disrespect for the game, as has been suggested. I don't think we need a, a change of law. <laughs> I don't think umpires... I, I think everything can stay exactly as it used to be, but maybe there just needs to be better communication between the bowler, wicketkeeper captain, and, you know, come on, guys. Because I, I, I spoke to Sam Curran today. He was put up for interview, and he was uh, saying, well, you know, it's the start of the summer, and 
I'm sure it won't happen. If it happens in a World Cup, then we'll take him down. But if it happens, to, if it happens yeah. at the Monica Roval in the next game, I'd like to think they'd take him down. <laughs> but that's that's another thing, though, just out of interest, you say about Captain Wicketkeeper. Butler did experiment with not being a keeper in the 100 and mm. Phil Salt kept wicket because he wanted to see if he if he saw things differently in the field. I think if he was in the field, I think he'd have appealed for that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. One that I hadn't considered. And Rory, as ever, talking with you is an education. Now, it's mm-hmm. time for our final break. And after that... A state education. Will... <laughs> yeah, but you know, a good state education. There's nothing wrong with state education. Big fan. No, well, they do exist. Even after, after 12 years. This final break, we are going to talk about the England contract. So I'm going to take a great deal of time over it because it can be slightly dull, but there are a couple of little things of interest. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Welcome back. I promised, and this is not the high performance review, it's more interesting than that. It is the central contracts that have been announced. And um, look, where do I want to start with this? Uh, can I th- can I suggest? Yes, go for it because because there are there are just a few well, here. Can we start that with an omission? Yes. Well, there's there's thirty names in total. I, I think you've got some more nuanced takes, but there's eighteen full contracts. There's what six fast bowlers and six increments. Well, Alex Lee's isn't on the list. So you know, unbeli- unbelievably, when I was looking matches, at. When I was looking at all of these... I, I had a feeling I, I, you, were, I missed, you were going to be clever. I'd, I'd missed that one. I genuinely <laughs> yeah, missed. Yeah, I Lee's genuinely missed Alex, Alex Lees. And that's you're dead right. I mean, that's where we should start. What does that mean? Because, mm. and, and I'll tell you why it's kind of... Well, it's really, not good. Well, it isn't, is it? Because Matt Potts has got an increment contract. And Matt Potts will be part of England's battery of fast bowlers, but he's certainly not at the moment mm. first choice pick, is he? So, and that's the yeah. only... He might be when Stuart Broad doesn't go to Pakistan. Well, he might, yes, I guess he might be. I guess he might be. But then what does that say about Alex Lees? Um, Joffre Archer isn't even fit. He has a full annual central contract. Liam Livingston... I think, I think it makes sense because they, they want to be in complete control of his recovery, his schedule, his playing return. They want to be all over that head of the ashes. Fair enough. Moe Ali has said that he... He's kind of retiring from Test cricket. Only wants to play home matches if you're desperate, which is a bit village cricket. I say village cricket; it's a bit club <laughs> cricket, isn't it? I can I can play I can play yeah, yeah. at home if you're desperate. Is I've had that conversation yeah. with so I fin- many I players. Work at, I finish work at <laughs> I finish work at twelve. I could probably get to the home game. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like <laughs> that, isn't it? And then you've got why I why I raise Marion Alley is because Harry Brook played a Test match. He's made himself first choice in T20. I'd be surprised if he's not first choice in 50 over. How is he on an increment contract rather than a central contract when Moeen Ali's on a central contract? Let's look at just a couple of others. You know, Zach Crawley, central contract. only playing one form, incidentally. And it's deemed that he's done enough in the summer, whereas Alex Lees hasn't. Very good spot from you. Liam Livingston has been nowhere near a test side. He's got a central contract. 
Um, Adil Rashid doesn't play Test cricket anymore. Central contract. Just quickly to run you through the names: Moeen Ali, Jimmy Anderson, Jofra Archer, Jonathan, Johnny Bairstow, Stuart Broad, Josh Butler, Zach Crawley, Sam Curran, Ben Folks, Jack Leach, Liam Livingston, Ollie Pope, Adil Rashid, Ollie Robinson, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, Chris Wokes, Mark Wood. All central contracts increments. Brooke Milan, who's playing in the T20 and seems to be, you know, there. Potts, increment, could well be on the plane to Pakistan. Roy drops down. Jason Roy, out of the, the side. So that's just a hope he's going to get his, his form back. Reese Topley, I don't really see the difference between Reese Topley and Moeen Ali. I mean, at the moment, he's first choice, isn't he, in a, in a, a whiteboard game? David Willey, can make a little bit of sense. And then the pace bowling development contract, I've, all of these make sense. Bryden Cast, Matthew Fisher, Saki Mahmood, Craig Overton, Jamie Overton, Ollie Stone. When the news came through, I was with Henry Moran, my colleague. He asked me, you know, to guess at the names. Those all make sense. But Harry Brook, I mean, this is the one, you, Harry Brook and Alex Lee, those are the ones I find most interesting. So Harry Brook, what could you say? We all appear to be on on the team here that he is flying, superstar in the making, probably has all formats at his feet if he wants them. Is it a case that England don't want to give him too much too soon? You know, do they want to make him work for it? I don't know. I'm trying to think of the logic here. It's just maybe he's played one test match. If Johnny Bairstow was, was still fit, would he play the next test match? Maybe not. Uh, it might be just that they want to say, "Hey, you've done well. You go up the next ladder, but you're not at the top of the ladder yet. You know, you haven't you haven't established yourself." Uh, it could be that, but I think we'll see his name on these lists a lot in the future. Moin Ali, here's one for you: Are they righting the wrongs? They ditched Moin Ali very, very harshly from the central contract list, didn't they, a couple of years ago, which precipitated his retirement from Test cricket because he. I think they ditched him from the central contract list just before they went and played a massive bunch of cricket in Asia and Moen Ali was the first choice across the board. Uh, he was certainly, he's certainly been on the wrong end of these decisions in the past. Um, so I wonder if that was, I don't know, I wonder if that was involved. The new people on the, on the main list, uh, Forks and Livingston, Forks certainly that, that shows that everything Stokes has been saying and Stokes has, has really got out of his way to, to go into bat for folks shows that he's pretty rock solid, I think. Uh, and, and amongst the bowlers, yeah, I mean, what I do think is we're going to be, it's going to be hard, isn't it, to find a place in one of these England teams from outside of that group because that's 30 names. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, very, very, very and if difficult. England use more than, if England use more than 30 players, actually Ben Duckett's not on it. You know, was he worth a shout after, after Pakistan to, on that increment list maybe? Yeah. I think you're dead right. And also he was called up, don't forget, for the Oval Testers cover. So, uh, look, um, I think he could force himself into it if he's playing, especially when when England find themselves in those rare occasions, which they will do when there's a white ball side and a red ball side of different parts of the world at the same time, which is increasingly happening. Thank you for listening to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket every day. Please do rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us personally on at Norcross Cricket or at the RVD, not the wrestling chap, the cricket chap. The cricket chap. We're going to put our links up for everything we do there on this podcast and beyond. 
Also, follow our network at 9994DM on social media. Follow for podcasts and commentary from the bat and ball world. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation on 99.94 We Speak Cricket. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!